little person, you know, I, I can't make a difference against this. But just remember this, even the smallest dog can lift its leg on the tallest building. <laughs> That's Jim Hightower, and this is Alternative Radio. I'm David Barsamian. This edition of AR features Jim Hightower. It's up to you. Democracy is in trouble. From hanging chads in Florida to purge voter rolls in Ohio to the Iowa caucus debacle, the venerable system is in the ICU. There's still a pulse, but the long-term prognosis is not good. There are serious structural problems. Can anyone say electoral college or why elections are held on a workday? And then, of course, there's money and the media. The experts sit around tables opining on who is surging and who is fading. It's more like horse racing trying to handicap the steeds. Citizens, this is no time for apathy or complacency. Get off of your phone. Find kindred spirits. Get engaged in what is probably the most important election in U.S. history. Jim Hightower says it's a struggle between the powers that be and the powers that ought to be. Our guest today is Jim Hightower. He's a national radio commentator, writer, and public speaker. He's noted for his biting wit. The Hightower Lowdown is his award-winning newsletter. He spoke at the Longmont Museum in Longmont, Colorado on February 16th, 2020. And now, Jim Hightower. Hello. Hello. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, very nice. What a joy. I thank the group for allowing uh, Scruffy Texas Populist to come in here and... Uh, <laughs> be a part of uh, this KGNU Boulder Weekly political palooza uh, that we're having here, a palooza for independent media, for common sense in an era of senseless uh, activity. Uh, KGNU Community Radio puts the unity in community, and they have all kinds of gatherings, uh, not just in Boulder, but obviously here in Longmont and all around in them. They are what I call radioactive uh, radio, <laughs> and they do a tremendous, tremendous job. Uh, I think of uh, KGNU in terms of a, a motel uh, that's a, a, a kind of an iconic motel from back in the uh, 1930s uh, in Austin, Texas, uh, right near where I live, uh, called the Austin Motel. Uh, but it had a had a, a marquee sign that said. Uh, uh, no additives, no preservatives, corporate free since 1938. Yeah. Uh, and, and that is, KGNU doesn't quite go back to 1938, but it certainly is corporate free because uh, uh, it doesn't need preservatives because uh, you are its preservatives. The, the listeners to the radio station are the preservatives, uh, and it doesn't need any additives because it knows what it stands for. It knows what it's trying to do. And then Boulder Weekly uh, and these these weeklies are so essential uh, in our country today, uh, and they're actually uh, doing the real journalism in America uh, these days because, of course, the hedge funds and uh, uh, the, the the billionaires have taken over uh, the media. My newspaper, the Austin American Statesman, uh, in the daily in my hometown, uh, is now a product of Gannett. 
really you got to follow the bouncing ball on this. Uh, the American Statesman was owned by the Cox chain out of Atlanta. It sold it uh, a few years ago, to, to a couple of years ago, to Gatehouse, uh, which is a hedge fund uh, operation off of Wall Street, except Gatehouse doesn't really exist. Gatehouse is owned by something called the New Media Investment Group, uh, which is financed and managed by something called the Fortress Investment Group, which is owned by a fracking baron, a billionaire, uh, and New Media uh, was bought uh, by SoftBank Group uh, last year, uh, the uh, Japanese uh, huge uh, bank operation uh, over there, which also owns Sprint uh, and is trying to to, to buy a T, uh, T what do you call it? Uh, yeah, T-Mobile. Uh, and uh, and then uh, the new, the New Media Fortress SoftBank Group was bought. Uh, late last year by Gannett, uh, which was financed by the Apollo Global Management Group, <laughs> which financed it with a 11.5% interest loan. Uh, that 11.5% is really important because it means uh, that, uh, that they're taking all the profit out of the top to pay for the financing, and that means that they're firing uh, the reporters uh, and, and shrinking the paper down uh, to nothing, and that is ex- exactly what is happening. You know, Lily Tomlin once said, no matter how cynical you get, it's almost impossible to keep up. (laughs) (laughs) So so the antidote to uh, cynicism is uh, is you. Uh, People like you who are doing things, uh, groups of people, uh, coalitions of groups of people. Uh, you don't, that you don't hear about in the national media or from the politicians, uh, but you are the source of the democratic hope uh, in our country. Uh, so it just makes me happier than a chigger at a nudist colony to be <laughs> standing up here looking out at all of you right-wing butt-kickers and corporate greed-whackers, <laughs> you, you grassroots agitators, and indeed, you are agitators, uh, and the powers of be try to make that a pejorative, don't they? All those agitators, our, our, our workers were perfectly happy in this factory until those union agitators came in, and uh, no, the poor people didn't mind living up against that toxic waste dump until those environmental agitators came in. Well, horse hockey, uh, agitation is what built America, were it not for agitators. You know. And I don't mean just the, the founding fathers, uh, uh, as useful as they were, but the real agitators were Thomas Paine and Daniel Shays. They were the abolitionists and the suffragists, uh, Frederick Douglass and the populists and unionists, uh, the Bonus Brigade and the uh, conscientious objectors, Mother Jones and Woody Guthrie, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. and Cesar Chavez, Karen Silkwood and Harvey Milk, and now down to you and me to be the agitators again. And that is a good thing. As Jesse Jackson used to put it, the agitator is the center post in the washing machine that gets the dirt out. <laughs> so I come to you tonight, uh, not just uh, from Austin, uh, Texas, uh, but from South Austin. Uh, and uh, 
things are a little different uh, over there. We have a little more irreverent attitude. Molly Ivins lived over there in my neighborhood. John Henry Falk uh, was out of there, and so many other mavericks and malcontents and mutts. Uh, and, uh, uh, and our unofficial slogan on the south side is, we're all here because we're not all there. <laughs> Well, I think we're all here uh, because the powers that be are not at all there uh, in terms of understanding what America is all about, understanding uh, that the essential glue of our society is the notion that we're all in this together. Uh, my old daddy, you got to be aware of Texans telling daddy stories, but I had a, had a pretty good one, and, and, uh, and he... he he didn't know he had a political philosophy, but he did. Uh, and he expressed it to me periodically in these terms. He said, Jim, everybody does better when everybody does better. And that's what's missing in our society today. So here we are in a big time uh, for America, a big time uh, for democracy and for you and me and, and our progeny. Uh, a, a, an historic time, another of those when in the course of human events moments that Thomas Jefferson wrote about. Uh, you, you see it in, in inequality that is rending our nation. You see it in the rise of autocracy and plutocracy. You see it in the health care crisis. You see it in the climate change crisis, etc. Uh, they're exterminating the whole idea of the common good. Uh, there's a and, and that means that we have to step forward bolder than we ever have before. Uh, and that's, uh, there's a dicho in South Texas, a grandis malis remedios grandis, for great maladies need great remedies. And it's not enough for us progressives to just point to Trump and his government of uh, goofy, uh, sleepy, sleazy, creepy Larry Curley and Moe. Uh, <laughs> Not enough for us to point to them and say, well, we're not them. People rightly want to know, well, who are you? Uh, and they're looking for a little d populist answer to that. Here's the core reality that, that we face in our country. And folks know that the real powers are not the politicians, uh, but the Wall Street elites and the corporate chieftains who've been funding and controlling the elections and the agendas of both parties. You don't have to be in who's who to know what's what, do you? I mean, uh, corporate power is why the economic and political systems in our country are rigged, rigged to knock down the middle class, to hold down the poor, and to tear down our democratic rights. Economists actually have a technical term for what powers that be are doing to us. It's called stealing. <laughs> Faster than a hog eats supper, they're stealing uh, from us, uh, stealing our, our, our very little d democratic uh, possibilities. Uh, I think of that song that uh, Woody Guthrie had about pretty boy Floyd the outlaw. Uh, had a verse in it that says, Through this world I travel, I see lots of funny men. Some will rob you with a six gun and some with a fountain pen. It's the fountain pens who are doing the serious stealing in our society today. We see it throughout our culture, uh, Walmart, the typical Walmart employee makes $22,000 a year. The five Walmart heirs, the Walton family, make $25,000 a minute. That is inequality. 
by its very definition. Uh, the three richest people in America now hold more wealth than the bottom half of the American people. Three people have more wealth than 165 million people have. That is inequality. You know, some of these guys are getting so rich they could afford to air condition hell. And I, <laughs> and I tell you what, they'd better be setting some money aside for that project, I think. <laughs> I, and, and I love it when they, you know, when, when they come out, uh, the, these uh, billionaires, and now there's a new term, centibillionaires. That's people who have more than $100 billion. Uh, Jeff Bezos is one of those of Amazon, etc. Anyway, they, uh, they come out and say, well, uh, of course, we, we give to charity because that's our way of giving back. Well, if you're giving back, that means you took too much to start with. <laughs> So let us not be swayed by that. And in fact, uh, you know, they say, well, yes, we, we do make a lot of money. We, we haul in a ton of money, but we are philanthropists. Uh, and Mark Zuckerberg uh, even uh, complained about Elizabeth Warren's wealth tax because he said, that's going to impinge on my philanthropy. Well, <laughs> I'll tell you a quick story of what the gods uh, think about charity. It comes from uh, Earl Long. Huey Long's brother, when Earl was governor of Louisiana back in uh, the 1950s, and he told about a rich man who died and tried to get into heaven. But if you'd gone to that little Methodist church that I did growing up in Denison, Texas, you'd know that you just don't march into heaven. You've, you've got to appear at the pearly gates, and there's an angel outside going to look over your life. And then St. Peter back here is going to render judgment about whether you get to come in or not. So here comes this rich man. And the angel looks over his life and says, Oh, my God, you never did no good no, for nobody. No way. What, what are you doing here? And rich men say, Well, now, that's not entirely true. There was that time in 1924 when a beggar man was on the street and I put a nickel in his cup. And the angel said, So? And the rich man said, Well, uh, then in 1934, a widow woman needing a car fare home and I gave her a nickel. And the angel said, That doesn't make up for a life of greed. And the rich man said, well, now hold it, because I've got a consistent pattern of philanthropy in 1944. I was coming out of my bank at Christmas time, Salvation Army kettle, and I put a nickel in there. And the angel turns back to St. Peter and says, what in the world are we going to do with this man? And St. Peter said, give him back his 15 cents and tell him to go to hell. Because <laughs> it's not charity we want. We want America's founding populist values, economic fairness, social justice, equal opportunity for all people. That's what we stand for. That's what America represents right there. Yet we're in a battle, inequality throughout our economy. And inequality is just another way of saying injustice. Uh, take the food economy. We're in an agricultural area here. Our food economy is a wreck. The people who produce the food get not only the least, but uh, practically nothing. You buy a $29 bucket of fried chicken, the farmer gets 58 cents. $29, 58 cents. All the money goes to the Tysons and the uh, Pilgrim Pride and the, uh, the, the giant uh, uh, processors uh, of it and marketers of it. Uh, milk economy, dairy farmers are just being wiped out right and left across this country, including in this state. 
uh, and it's because uh, we've got monopolies controlling it. Uh, 60% of the raw milk produced in America is controlled by uh, two corporations. But you don't market milk nationally. You market it regionally. And one of those corporations, Dean Foods, uh, controls 90% of the milk market in Wisconsin, in Michigan, and in Vermont, and about 70% in many other states as well. It is a monopoly. Uh, the farmer doesn't send a chance in that. So the price is being knocked down uh, for the farmer and raised for the consumer. Uh, and that's because of policy. Uh, we, we have an agricultural policy uh, that has gone from butts to nuts. Uh, I, you know, again, these are deliberate decisions uh, made by our policyholders. Earl Butts, you might remember him, Uncle Earl. He was a Secretary of Agriculture under Richard Nixon. And Earl stepped forward and said, this trend toward less farms is not bad. It's good that we have been able to produce an increasing amount of food with the work of a smaller percentage of our population. This releases people to do something useful in their lives. <laughs> uh, Ezra Taft Benson, Eisenhower's Secretary of Agriculture, uh, said farmers need the spur of insecurity. Ronald Reagan said... Uh, Farm foreclosures and bankruptcies are part of the necessary solution. My program hasn't hurt anybody. No one's been thrown out in the snow to die. That's a high standard, isn't it? <laughs> and uh, Jimmy Carter, many of you will not make it, but it will be better for those of you who survive. And uh, now, you know, here we are with Donnie Trump and gang, and, you know, their idea of a good farm program is hee-haw. Uh, <laughs> We've got a guy who's Secretary of Agriculture now. His name is Sonny Perdue. He's out of Georgia, uh, a peanut-producing state, by the way, and Sonny is the biggest goober of them all. Uh, he, he's, he enjoys uh, mocking uh, his constituent. Uh, they're now on a pitch. ALEC, the uh, American Legislative Exchange Council, front group uh, for uh, corporations to put legislation into state legislatures and do the corporate will. Uh, they are passing something called critical infrastructure bills, which criminalizes uh, protests of uh, critical infrastructure, which are pipelines uh, and uh, fracking sites uh, and uh, oil refineries uh, and even uh, hog farms uh, and chicken farms are part of the critical infrastructure of America that if you protest it in certain ways, it means you're going to do two years uh, in jail. So it is the complete uh, perversion of our democratic uh, ideals. So the question becomes, who's going to stand up to these forces of greed and stand up for the gougees? Uh, the, the powers that be uh, have to be confronted by the powers that ought to be. The workers, the environmentalists, the farmers, the consumers, veterans, everyday people. But yet that question of who's going to stand up is the big question in this year's Democratic primaries. Because whoever wins the Democratic primary is going to be our channel to deal with Donald Trump and to begin to reverse some of this stuff if we have somebody who is nominated for the, by the Democrats to stand up uh, for the Gougies. The Democratic establishment, unfortunately, uh, is still controlled by what I call pusillanimous Democrats. It's a clean word. You can look it up. <laughs> I mean, some of these Democrats are weaker than Canadian hot sauce, you know, when it comes to... 
when it comes to standing up for the people they're supposed to stand up for and when it comes to standing up for the democratic principles. I mean, thank God they weren't in charge when Franklin and Eleanor Roosevelt passed things like Social Security and, uh, and uh, wage and hour laws uh, and right on down the line. They would have said, oh, no, that's too strong. We can't do that. The people will be opposed to it. The people will be scared of it. Indeed, Medicare for all. Um, a, the governor of, uh, I think it was Delaware, uh, rose up and said, well, uh, we, we can't say Medicare for all because that scares people. I mean, excuse me, I say Medicare for all a lot, <laughs> and it does not scare anybody. They rise up and cheer when you say <laughs> Medicare for all because you're talking about delivering the basic of health care to every man, woman, and child in America as a matter of human right. Uh, people are in favor of that. One of our Democratic uh, contenders said that a majority of Democrats opposed Medicare for all. Hello. The latest poll in December showed 81% of Democrats in favor of Medicare for all. Uh, Two-thirds of independents. Uh, apple pie doesn't get 81%. <laughs> uh, Elizabeth Warren's uh, wealth tax. Oh, well, that's too strong. That scares people. Uh, well, 77% of Democrats favor it, 55% of independents, and 57% of Republicans favor Elizabeth Warren's wealth tax. So we don't have to fear the people. There was a poll done in December, another poll by the Center for uh, American Progress, which is uh, a, a, essentially a Democratic uh, uh, establishment uh, front group. Uh, they, they do a lot of good work, though, and they did a survey. Uh, and they found that 70% or more of the people, including a majority of Republicans, agree that college education is too expensive and states ought to help people afford a college education without getting buried in debt. They said that rich families and corporations should pay more in taxes. They said that pharmaceutical companies should be penalized if drug prices rise faster than inflation. They said government should increase good jobs with a trillion-dollar investment in infrastructure, including production of green energy. They said we should reduce inequality with a 2% wealth tax. And, get this, 8 out of 10 Democrats, 3 fourths of independents, and 49% of Republicans say corporations have too much power and should be strongly regulated. So we don't have to fear the people. Uh, the people are way ahead of the politicians and way ahead of the media, by the way, as, as well. So my message to you, and I'm sure you're wondering what it is by now, uh, <laughs> is that it's up to us. Uh, it, it's, not, it's not up to Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren. It's not up to uh, the Democratic Party. It's not up to the Congress, any governor, uh, etc. It's up to you and me, we the people, joining together can make the big difference. We the people have got to take the stand. We've got to be the ones that push back against uh, the gougers out there. We're ripping uh, us off. And, uh, you know, I know that a lot of people say, oh, well, I'm just a, I'm just a little person. You know, I, I can't make a difference against this. But just remember this. Even the smallest dog can lift its leg on the tallest building. <laughs> <laughs> America can be as big as we want it to be, as big as we need it to be. We certainly have the wealth 
And as these polls indicate, uh, we have uh, the grassroots support. Uh, we have all that we need to stand up in the bold spirit of Franklin and also of Eleanor Roosevelt to do as, as Franklin Roosevelt said in his campaign in 1936, to restore America to its own people. Uh, that's the fight that we're in. It's just that straightforward. That's the importance of, uh, of KGNU. That's the importance of the Boulder Weekly. That's the importance of an independent media, but that's also the importance of groups or of people organized into groups that are making political fights. And I can tell you that all across America, we're winning those political fights. It's, it's an astonishing story that goes untold by the establishment media, but there it is, because we've got to form uh, together. Uh, there's a, a little hardware store not too far from where I live in Austin uh, called Harold's Hardware, independent place, not one of these big box stores. It's uh, no bigger than this hall right here. Uh, but it's a great place. Uh, you, you don't have to buy the whole carton of nails. They'll sell you two nails if that's what you're looking for. You know? and, uh, and they'll say, well, what are, you, what are you trying to do? Well, I want to build a, a lectern. Okay, well, let's pencil it out and see what you need. They'll loan you a tool. You can take a power saw home and bring it back. And the slogan at Harold's Hardware is, we can do it yourself. <laughs> now, that's got to be our slogan, doesn't it? <laughs> because we can't do it ourselves, but together we can, all of ourselves coming uh, together. So we've got to keep reaching out to those farmers, for example. To musicians, they don't have health care. To restaurant owners, small business owners, uh, they don't have health care. They're getting screwed by the tax laws, uh, etc. They're natural allies. To evangelicals, by the way, most of which are poor people, are relatively poor people, and, and are inclined uh, to, to our view on economic issues. So we've got to reach out to these uh, people. As Jesse Jackson put it, uh, we might not all have come over on the same boat, but we're in the same boat now. <laughs> and that's a powerful political reality uh, if we exercise it we work on it and then you got to persevere again you don't win the first time out I lost my first race uh, for statewide office in Texas and came back two years later and won uh, and, and was able to do quite, quite a bit of good stuff because people came together uh, and they formed a, a, a movement uh, that elected me and Ann Richards and uh, Jimmy Maggs as Attorney General, Gary Morrow as Land Commissioner. We were all young. Each had kind of differing constituencies, but we campaigned together, worked together. All of us got elected. That meant we could govern together. We could trust each other and rely on each other. You formed a movement that could actually uh, govern. Uh, so you've got to persevere, uh, stick, at, stick with it. Um, again, you don't get there that first time. Willie Nelson told me that uh, I tell you, the, the uh, early bird might get the worm, but it's the second mouse that gets the cheese. <laughs> might want to pencil that out for some of the slower ones here tonight. Uh, You're listening to Jim Hightower. It's up to you. This is Independent Alternative Radio. You can order copies of this program by calling... 1-800-444-1977. That's 1-800-444-1977. 
or you can order online on our website, alternativeradio.org. That's alternativeradio.org. And mainly, we've got to stay strong, recognize the strength that we have, and recognize uh, the, the, the justice uh, for which uh, we are fighting, uh, and be bold about it. Uh, Thomas Paine said, let them call me rebel and welcome. I feel no concern from it, nor should we. Let them call us radicals. Let them call us agitators. Let them call us uh, crazy people. <laughs> Let them call us whatever they want. But we are actually the majority, and we have uh, the potential to put America, to restore America to its own uh, people again. And just keep agitating, agitating, agitating. I'll leave you with this thought, and it's from uh, Louis Grizzard, the late great Southern humorist, uh, who said something that we in the South have always known to be true, and that is that there's a big difference between being naked and being naked. Uh, (laughs) Naked means you have no clothes on. Naked means you have no clothes on and you are up to something. (laughs) (laughs) So let's get naked together. (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you. When Pete Buttigieg returned to the United States from Oxford. He joined the McKinsey corporate group, 7,700 employees, one of the most powerful and conservative uh, consulting groups in the world. He yes. spent three years there. I'm concerned that he w- that's where he's getting his money and he was groomed for what he's doing now. Do you have any thoughts about Pete Buttigieg? Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I think there Many, many good things can be said about him, uh, uh, and there are uh, plenty of good people uh, who support him. But you need to look, you need to follow the money, the old story, uh, because it's not just McKinsey, that's one thing, uh, but he is the Wall Street candidate in, in the Democratic Party. And I can tell you uh, from political experience in Texas, I know that if you take the corporate check, written on the back is the corporate agenda. What can we do about Pentagon spending in the next decade? Well, you have a chance right here because you're about to become the space force of America. (laughs) Uh, It is a joke. Uh, It doesn't have, uh, it's not not a sixth branch of government at all, uh, of armed forces uh, at all. But all that aside, it it is just the foot in the door that the military contractors uh, want. And we've got to confront that because they're now asking for many billions of dollars more, and it will be an endless amount of money because space is infinite, right? And so, so that, that we, can, we can go fight, as Ted Cruz said, uh, space pirates. That was Jim Hightower, It's Up to You. He spoke on February 16th at the Longmont Museum. The day after his talk, I sat down with him in Boulder. Jim Hightower, welcome to the program. Great to be with you, David. Well, let's start with a a newspaper headline from the New York Times, Buoyed President Rides the Economy. Uh, Clearly, uh, Trump 
sees his reelection uh, riding on a booming economy. What's going on there? That's a sinking ship that he is swimming toward. Uh, uh, maybe, uh, uh, as Ralph Yarbrough once said, of uh, when John Connolly switched parties in Texas uh, from Democrat to Republicans, that it's the first time that a rat swam toward a sinking ship. And uh, this is the case of uh, of a guy uh, claiming that the economy is booming, by which he means Wall Street. Uh, their measure is uh, the Dow Jones average. Uh, as opposed to the Doug Jones average. How's Doug and Darlene doing? Uh, not so well. Uh, knocked down in, in wages, uh, rents going completely uh, out of sight, uh, imposing the possibility of even homelessness on more and more people. Uh, obviously, uh, price increases across the board, health care uh, through the roof, you know, right on down the line. So most people are looking for somebody who's really going to stand up for them, uh, the real economy versus the Wall Street economy. And among the multiple Democratic uh, candidates, who do you see that most uh, fulfills that kind of vision? Uh, there, there are two, uh, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, because both of them uh, look at the economy in structural terms. How can we make real change? You know, not little symbolic change, let's tweak uh, uh, the, the minimum wage, you know, uh, raise it to uh, $8 an hour instead of 7 and a quarter, where it still sticks. Um, but uh, but actually have Medicare for all, uh, so health care is guaranteed. That that expense is taken out of the families' budgets and is taken out of the corporate budgets too. By the way, uh, so it, as other countries have shown, this benefits the whole economy. Uh, and uh, to raise the minimum wage to to a living wage, uh, to uh, not just uh, create jobs but jobs that pay a living wage, uh, and to invest in the in the future with uh, infrastructure programs. You know. Not not just repairing our roads, but ex expanding broadband, particularly to rural areas, uh, working with farmers uh, to get out from under the squeeze of monopoly power that's, on the one hand, the financing of their farms and their crops, and then on the other hand, squeezing them from the, uh, the giant agribusiness interests that uh, buy their products at beneath the cost of production. How do you get that message to those who watch Fox News or listen to Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity? I think by having a very aggressive campaign, uh, not only by uh, Bernie, Elizabeth Warren, uh, say that, the, that one of them is the nominee or maybe both of them team up in some form or another, which is what I'd like to see, uh, but, uh, but also all the progressive groups uh, getting behind uh, this campaign uh, and just pounding that message over and over again. Here is real change. Here is real help coming to your community and to your home. Uh, and uh, so that that message has to be reiterated uh, and echoed again and again, just as Fox News does uh, with, from a right-wing corporate perspective. Uh, we've got to pound it from a progressive, little-d, democratic populist uh, perspective. And how do you see media coverage of the, of the campaign and the primaries? Uh, we've been talking about media concentration for decades now. It's down to about five corporations that pretty much control what most Americans see, hear, and read. The, the, the coverage of the uh, campaign has been atrocious. The uh, establishment media, uh, the corporate media, has uh, accepted uh, the conservative Democrat, uh, corporate Democrat, argument that Bernie or Elizabeth would be disastrous for the Democratic Party uh, because it would turn off some voters. 
They never mentioned that, by the way, that Biden would turn off voters, <laughs> that uh, Buttigieg would turn off voters, uh, and conservatives within who are running for president would turn off voters. That's what happened to us in 2016. Uh, we didn't have the turnout that we should have had because, uh, you know, turnout is based on turn on. And you've got to have a campaign that really reaches people and makes them want to go vote. And that's what I think uh, the, either Sanders or Warren uh, would do, a progressive presidential campaign would do, uh, backed, by the way, uh, not just uh, by the presidential candidates, but by uh, people who, of very progressive uh, values and principles would be running uh, for Senate and Congress uh, and uh, sheriff and uh, mayors and city council, et cetera. The New York Times has uh, interesting uh, headlines here. I'm going to read them to you. Sanders on rise. Anxiety deepens among centrists. Democrats in disarray. Sanders raises electability concerns across the party. Anxiety, that word again, anxiety from Wall Street titans to swing district house freshmen. I call these Frady Cat Democrats. <laughs> you know, they're they're in a in a tizzy, uh, having fainting spells uh, at the thought uh, that a real Democrat, a little D Democrat, as well as a big D, uh, would uh, would be the nominee of the party. Uh, but what they're really afraid of uh, the, the interests behind them, the corporate interests, uh, Wall Street uh, and corporate chieftains, are are not uh, the the candidate. Bernie or Elizabeth or whoever, but rather it's the people, the people that they would bring in, because people want real change. Uh, that's been demonstrated again and again in polls and elections that we've been having for the last uh, several cycles. People want the kind of bold programs that they're putting forward. If, if these people had been listened to in uh, in 1932, 1934, 36, uh, we wouldn't have Social Security, would not have had the New Deal, because they would have said, oh, that's, that's, that's scaring people, we can't do that, and that's, uh, that's going to uh, make corporate interests back away, they won't give money to the party, you know, et cetera. So that same cycle is now coming forth uh, here uh, by, again, Freddy Cat Democrats. It's interesting because uh, we're constantly told that there's no money in the budget to shore up Social Security and to provide, extend Medicaid and Medicare and uh, social welfare programs, child care, uh, prenatal care, etc. But when it comes to military spending, it's all bets are off. They've got a permanent get-out-of-jail pass. Not only military spending, uh, but build the wall. Build that wall, you know, $4 billion that Trump is taking from the military budget. If you can take $4 billion from the military budget for a piece of political folly uh, to benefit one person's uh, campaign, uh, then perhaps there's too much money in the military budget. Uh, that, that shows there's a lot of elasticity there, as the economists might call it, uh, meaning uh, they've taken too much. And so there is money available uh, to do what we want to do and to do what needs to be done, uh, which is uh, reaching out to the majority of people and building a real economy that generates productivity, new products, uh, economic activity, co-op. Uh, etc. Uh, at all levels, uh, and uh, that that money, uh, that's that's one of the that is one of the central issues that we're facing in this Democratic primary: is are we going big or are we going small? You're from a border state, Texas, which has a huge border with uh, Mexico. A lot of people were uh, quite impressed with Beto O'Rourke's uh, challenge to incumbent Senator Ted Cruz. He came very close to uh, winning that uh, election. So 
Do you sense a shift now again in Texas politics moving more toward the uh, blue end of the color dial? Yes, uh, absolutely. Uh, and it's not just Beto, though he has been very instrumental in that, uh, but it's people uh, who have been backed by our revolution, uh, by uh, Indivisible, uh, by Black Lives Matter, uh, by uh, Justice Democrats, uh, so many other progressive groups that are organizing at a grassroots level and running young candidates, uh, people of color, uh, and exciting a constituency to make them uh, want to go vote, uh, to see that there's real change coming. In the last uh, cycle in Texas, uh, uh, election cycle, uh, 26, 2018, uh, we flipped 12 uh, Texas House seats. So we're now within nine seats of taking over the Texas House of Representatives. That would be the the uh, representative, uh, the House session that does reapportionment. And uh, so we are targeting, uh, we being AFL-CIO, Planned Parenthood, all the progressive groups, our revolution, all these grassroots groups are targeting some 20 seats that we were close to last time uh, to to get those nine seats back and to protect the 12 that we won uh, last time. Uh, and Beto O'Rourke, by the way, is committed, is doing his main work now. That's what he's doing, is in those districts to campaign for people and to rally other folks to get behind this and make a difference. And it would not just turn Texas blue, but it would move Texas forward. The 2018 election also saw the arrival of a, a number of uh, progressive women candidates of color like uh, Ilhan Omar, Ayanna Presley, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Rashida Tlaib, and, and others. What do, you, what do you make of that? Uh, well, just saying over in East Texas, the rooster crows, but the hen delivers the goods. <laughs> and these women uh, are uh, very aggressive uh, in their politics. They're very smart. Uh, and they're very savvy of how to uh, frame their campaigns, and they're rallying, uh, and not just support, but actual enthusiasm for the kind of policies that, that they are pushing. And that's why they're getting elected, and that is spreading. Uh, we have uh, uh, almost so many women candidates running uh, who used to be uh, the, the people you counted on to staff campaigns, and now they're saying, no, we're not going to be the staff, we're going to be the candidates. <laughs> and so we have a shortage of staff, which is a good problem to have, because they they are so strong. We, we have a woman running for the U.S. Senate to challenge uh, John Cornyn, who's a complete toady to Mitch McConnell, um, and uh, and she is extraordinarily strong. And I think she's going to make the runoff. Uh, and she's a woman of color, uh, Latina, uh, and is organizing culturally uh, through the Latino community. Uh, organizing quinceaneras, which are the coming out parties of 15-year-old girls in the Latino community. And instead of bringing presents to those girls, they're saying you have to register to vote to get in the door, <laughs> and then you have to participate. It's the 10th anniversary of the Supreme Court decision of Citizens United. What kind of impact has that had on politics in the United States? Well, it's exacerbated uh, the horror uh, that has been taking place uh, for decades uh, in our country of big money uh, controlling uh, elections and controlling the selection of candidates, uh, controlling the agendas. Uh, and so that money has perverted uh, our democracy into a, a plutocracy. And Citizen United just unleashed it, just said basically there's no controls. <laughs> 
and it's and subsequent decisions have uh, has made that even worse in other cases that are moving up in the courts, uh, which is why Mitch McConnell and uh, Trump and them are pushing uh, for right-wing uh, corporate judges. Uh, as those move up, uh, it's going to basically allow corporations to, to run their own candidates, uh, to be be their own party. Uh, and now they, they control candidates, they control parties, but they may even become their own party. So this is disastrous uh, for the, the ideal of the United States, the notion that we are a, an, at least an, a society that aspires toward egalitarian values. Ralph Nader has put forth the notion of term limits for Supreme Court justices. What do you think of that? Yeah, I think we've got to do something about it because it's completely uh, out of out of control and it's reasonable. Uh, the idea that some 49-year-old lawyer, uh, some Brett Kavanaugh, uh, is just going to be on there forever uh, and, and is then thereby liberated uh, to be as wacky as he wants to be and as uh, vicious as he wants to be toward uh, women, toward minorities, toward uh, voting rights, uh, etc., uh, is, is very undemocratic. Uh, and uh, so I, I think we face a situation uh, on the courts uh, where we have to have adjustments uh, of, this, of the system in order to allow democracy itself to have a chance. Two of the last five presidential elections have been decided not by the popular vote, but by the, something called the Electoral College, which is, always strikes me as a kind of odd term. You know, it seems like, is this a group of professors that talk about academic issues? What do you think about that? Yeah. I've come around uh, to, to saying, yes, we've got to eliminate the Electoral College, have direct elections, have, have the people speak, and that their vote uh, counts more than some little clique uh, that is set up of people the voters never even heard of rending decision about who gets to be president of the, of the United States. Uh, that's too big of a decision to have a handful of people really pervert the process. But those who defend the Electoral College say, well, candidates will never go to South Dakota or New Hampshire again because they'll spend all their time in New York, Texas, and Florida, and California. Well, that's not true because small states add up. As one who has campaigned in Texas, a very big state, where about 75% of the population is in the three largest cities. Uh, but if you don't go out to those rural areas, uh, you're not, and you don't have to win all of those counties in the rural areas, but you've got to get more than 35% of the vote, you need to get 40. 45% of the vote in order to be elected statewide. So you're going to go out there because it's going to matter. And as Bernie Sanders has said, uh, we've got to go uh, into the red states and into the red areas of states uh, as well as the, the, the comfortable blue areas because there are progressives out there uh, who want a chance to vote and have to have their voice heard. Historically, uh, over the decades, you've seen your party, the Democratic Party, move more and more uh, to the right and the Republicans literally going off the cliff. What accounts for that? Uh, money. Uh, uh, my, I, again, my political experience in Texas uh, around 1982, 84, in that period, uh, the Democratic Party nationally uh, and in the state of Texas uh, and states like Colorado uh, began to to say, well, now, wait a minute, we could get some of that corporate money that the Republicans are getting, and we could compete uh, on television. Uh, and so the, the party uh, took the money, uh, and again, if you take that money, you take the, the agenda of those who are giving it to you, uh, and, uh, and then 
they they abandon uh, the the Franklin Roosevelt style message of the Democratic Party. Uh, so working class people, uh, environmentalists, uh, dirt farmers, uh, regular folks, they don't hear themselves in the political debate at all because Republicans are way over there, as you indicated, and the Democrats are moving over in that same area. So it's a one-sided debate uh, that leaves out the majority uh, of the people. And so the Democrats uh, abandoned grassroots. Uh, in the Hillary Clinton campaign in 2016 in Texas, you had to pay to get a yard sign. You had to spend $5 to get a yard sign. Uh, so, I mean, they didn't care about the rural areas, and they didn't care about the, those uh, those people out there who were being left out. Well, do you see in terms of promoting a progressive agenda, revival of, of unions? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, one, unions themselves are stepping forward, and particularly aggressive new unions of, uh, of low-wage workers, unions uh, in, in the media uh, world, uh, the concentration of uh, newspaper power, as you just indicated, uh, by Wall Street hedge funds uh, and private equity outfits has led to a boom in union organizing in the newsrooms uh, because those people are losing their not their jobs but they're also losing uh, the ideal that caused them to go in to uh, journalism which is that we should be doing investigative style reporting and finally what gives you hope people out here uh, I travel a lot I get out uh, of the power centers of uh, Washington and New York and the media centers and see what's happening at the grassroots level. And just about at every place that's got a zip code, somebody or some group of somebodies uh, is doing serious organizing and winning. Thanks very much for your time. Thank you. That was Jim Hightower. It's up to you. I talked with him in Boulder on February 17th. Jim Hightower is a national radio commentator, writer, and speaker. The Hightower Lowdown is his award-winning newsletter. This program is produced by Alternative Radio based in Boulder, Colorado. We are independent and in our 34th year. We're supported solely by individuals just like you. Each week we feature such progressive voices as Ralph Nader, Naomi Klein, and Robert Fisk. To access our complete audio and book catalog, just go to our website, alternativeradio.org. Again, our website where we are podcasting, alternativeradio.org. To place a credit card order for CDs, MP3s, or written transcripts of today's program, Jim Hightower, it's up to you. Just give us a call at 1-800-444-1977. Again, that number is one 800 444-1977. Or you can order on our website, alternativeradio.org. To find out more about Jim Hightower's newsletter, go to his website, hightowerlowdown.org. That's hightowerlowdown.org. Special thanks to John Weiss of the Colorado Springs Independent and Justin Veach of the Longmont Museum. Joe Ritchie is our general manager and editor. I'm David Barsamian. Thank you for listening. We go out with Woody Guthrie singing Pretty Boy Floyd. Pretty boy grabbed a log chain and the deputy grabbed his gun. In the fight that followed, he laid that deputy down. Then he took to the trees and timber to live a life of shame. 
Every crime in Oklahoma was added to his name. But a many a starving farmer, the same old story told, how the outlaw paid their mortgage and saved their little homes. Others tell you about a stranger that come to beg a meal. Underneath his napkin left a thousand dollar bill. It was in Oklahoma City. It was on a Christmas day. There was a whole carload of groceries come with a note to say. Well, you say that I'm an outlaw. You say that I'm a thief. Here's a Christmas dinner for the families on relief. Yes, as through this world I've wandered, I've seen lots of funny men. Some will rob you with a six-gun and some with a fountain pen. And as through your life you travel, yes, as through your life you roam, you will never see an outlaw drive a family from their home. Well, just go to the website, alternativeradio.org. Alternative. Fui na lepsze przyjaciel Jenny Notes, CJSW 90.9 FM. Na zawsze radio. Radio na zawsze. Wow! Let me hear you. 